Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another exciting hour of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I'm joined by none other than Mr. Tommy Fierro. Tommy brother. What I'd like to have right now is for (laughs) all you fat, ugly, inner-city sweathogs, keep the noise down. Will I give you my ISPW results from last Friday? <laughs> I'm only kidding. What's up, man? Oh. Don't get me excited here, Jumping Jack. Listen, man, we got a extremely hot topic to discuss today. But as you mentioned, we are coming off of the heels of a much-anticipated ISPW wrestling event known as Christmas Chaos. Tommy, you and I have yet to touch base on what went down that night in New Jersey. So fill me in. I am all yours, brother. How was Christmas chaos? It was awesome. And and I do that for a reason, Jay. I do that because I want to build anticipation to the show. So uh, we can talk about it on there. But, uh, yeah, man, it it was really good. At the end of the night when the, the smoke cleared, we had a new ISPW World Heavyweight Champion. The superstar, Danny Morrison, captured the ISPW title against Bull James. It was a, a very controversial ending. Uh, we'll get into that in just a second. But uh, the show was good, man. The Doctor of Style Slick returned to professional wrestling for the first time in a very, very long time. He was the special guest on the winner, Andy Weinberg's winner circle. Uh, the fans loved having Slick there, man. Tito Santana was there. He did a figure four challenge. And guess what? Guess who won the figure four challenge? I'm hoping it was either your wife or your daughter, brother. <laughs> was, was it Mama Fierro? No, no, no. She wasn't there. Danny from Butler's little son, Lucas won the Tito Santana figure four challenge. No way. That is yeah, fantastic. Man. Dude, he locked it on. The place popped. I, I, I couldn't believe it. He's six years old. Remember, we talked about him in the past. He just knows everything about wrestling. He locked on this figure four like he was, like, working a pay-per-view match, and he's only six years old. It was, it was, it was awesome, man. But, uh, yeah, that, that was fun. Bushwhacker Luke was there. He kicked off the show. Welcome, everyone, to the ISPW show. Uh, in, in a few of the big matches, Homicide and Crowbar, man, they tore it up. If you were there live uh, at Christmas Chaos, these guys put on a, a clinic, and they went about close to 20 minutes, and these guys, just, they left it all uh, on the line there, man. Now, Crowbar uh, winds up picking up the victory here with some outside interference from his stable, and... Uh, uh, it, there's definitely has to be a crowbar homicide too after after that one, and then uh, Mikos Rikos retained his ISPW um, Tri-State Championship, defeating the Hara King Vincent from Ring of Honor after Crowbar uh, came out and distracted Vincent. Uh, after Crowbar's match, he was going back to the locker room, and Vincent was coming to the ring, and those guys crossed paths, and they were staring at each other. Uh, for a minute or so, and then Crowbar came back out at the end. There was no physical altercation, but uh, obviously there's some uh, tension there between Crowbar and Vincent. And uh, another action, uh, it was 
the now teaming up to defeat the Winners Club, uh, managed by the winner Andy Weinberg, Justin Carino, and Sean Donovan had a really, really great match. Sean Donovan coming out on top on that one. And Vicious Vicky retained her ISPW women's title, uh, defeating uh, Riley Shepard. And H.C. Loke defeated Trax. It was a very good show, man. And uh, the ending, what happened with uh, Danny Doring winning the belt, um, we'll get into it later. It was a controversial ending. I know there's a lot of calls on the line right now. The lines are lighting up for ravishing Rick Rude, man. Let's get to it. Well, Tommy, thank you for the quick uh, breakdown of ISPW. I have a ton of questions, and so I hope we get time at the end to get back into it. But like you said, we are talking about one of the most entertaining heels of all time, from his tights to his promos to his rude awakening. Ravishing Rick Rude left an impression on the minds of wrestling fans that it's still relevant today. That's why we're talking about it today. And the calls are lighting up. We've got a number of calls holding on the slam line right now. First up is a man who's already been mentioned on today's program. Longtime listener, longtime caller, and all the way from beautiful Butler, New Jersey. Danny, welcome back to the program. Tommy, jumping Jay, it's a pleasure as always. What's up, brother? Not much, man. Uh, you know, definitely it was a great, uh, the way you guys kicked off. Uh, definitely enjoy hearing my son's name on this show. And let me tell you one thing. He made this daddy proud on Friday night by the way he went out and got the crowd going and stole the show. Just, just like I would expect him to. <laughs> he really did steal the show, man. So I got to know, you Danny. Know, you look at say did you Go practice ahead. this with your son at home? Did you walk him through how to pull off this move? Was there preparation leading Absolute, up to that event? Absolutely not. Absolutely he, not. I've, you know, I've never put a figure four on him. I probably put him in a Boston Crab or, or two here and there. But <laughs> he, uh, he's, he does – I let him do everything on me, and I'm – I can't think of a time that he actually locked a figure four on me, and I'm I, I'm saying to myself, I don't know how this is going to go. But when I, when I saw him, just how graceful he was on on you know getting into getting the leg, wrapping it around, and locking it up, and just dropping, this kid knows what he's doing. I'm I, I was I was a, I was shocked. You know, like I said, he's a little proud. You know, he got the crowd going. He uh, like I said, he looked like a natural out there. I think he definitely make a you know, guys like Ric Flair, Greg Valentine, definitely, I'm sure he made uh, Tito proud. He's a natural, is what you're saying. No preparation needed. I, I, He's I, a natural. I think he just no. He he went out and he just he, he winged it, and like I said, he, it looked it, it was smooth. Well, that 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 brings joy to my heart. I would I would love to see my kids doing the same thing, and so I bet you were a very proud dad. Uh, obviously, for you, that's probably the highlight of Christmas chaos. But overall, Danny, I wasn't there. Give me your impression of the overall show. How do you think Christmas chaos went? Uh, they, like I said, I'm telling Tommy's events just keep getting better and better. I've been, you know, to all three uh, since September, and from each one, they are they just they keep gradually getting better and better. Like I said, the, the matches are getting better. You know, you know, the 
uh, Crowbar and, and Homicide, those guys put on a, a tremendous show. They they left it all out there, very entertaining. Uh, th- those guys went out there, and they, they could go. Um, yeah, you know, you know, the, the, the Rico's Rico's, I think that guy's going to be a star. Um, they went out there, you know, uh, definitely a screwball finish at the end, uh, definitely a swerve. I'll let Tommy uh, inform you on that one, but overall, tremendous show. Great atmosphere, definitely Slick and uh, Luke, uh, Bushback and Luke there. It was a, it was definitely a, a pleasure, and uh, it was a lot of fun. And like I say, I look forward to um, the upcoming shows that uh, come down the line. Well, Thank you, brother. I yeah, and I appreciate your input, Danny, because I know you know your stuff, and I trust you. So when you say it was good, I believe. It was indeed good. Now, we're kicking off today's show all about Ravishing Rick Rude. I'd love to get your favorite memory or moment or what sticks out in your mind when we talk about Rick Rude. Well, I'll tell you one thing, uh, uh, Jumper Jay. Uh, there's something that's, that's definitely in the waters in Minnesota that, uh, that creates Tremendous professional wrestlers, and you know, Ravishing Rick Rude uh, definitely sticks out bar none. Um, you know, you talk about I know a few months ago we talked about Roddy Piper, how he might be the greatest heel of all time, and that you know I don't think you could argue that, but definitely Ravishing Rick Rude. When you talk about a heel, you know, that's what he was meant to be. There, there is no baby face in him. You can that'll never work. Ravishing was that guy that'll go out, he'll steal your girl, and at the same time, he'll kick your ass, too. And you're going to do nothing about it. You're going to have to just live with it. The guy, <laughs> it was a, a, a tremendous performer. You know, the guy, you know, definitely, you know, was taken away way too early. Um, you, know, so you, had the, you know, obviously, you know, coming into the WWF, I remember him coming around, eight, you know, 87. You know, he worked the... Uh, you know, a tremendous, you know, he had to, you know, tremendous chemistry. You know, he was the first, in the first Royal Rumble match with Ricky Steamboat. They had, they, they definitely uh, tore it up there. Um, you know, who could forget the, the feud he had with Jake the Snake, you know, bringing, uh, dragging in uh, Cheryl Roberts into the, into the whole angle. Then, you know, him putting on the tights, Jake ripping off the tights. Um, then, you know, leading up to, you know, his feud with the war, you know, Ultimate Warrior WrestleMania Five. You know, him winning the title with the help of Bobby Heenan. Um, you know, they had a tremendous match SummerSlam 89. You know, the matches, you know, obviously the fo- following year, SummerSlam 90, with, you know, culminating with the steel cage for the WWF title. You know, they, you know, Rick, just he knew how to go, man. The guy was a legit badass. You know, definitely, I think, you know, I, I remember a lot of his successes in WCW, too, you know, especially when he... Uh, was with the you know Paulie Dangerously in the Dangerous Alliance. You know he had you know tremendous matches with Sting, tremendous matches with Ricky Steamboat. Um, you know he had a lot of success in WCW. I think you know a little more than in WWF, but like I said, overall, like I said, one of the real great competitors. You know one of the great heels, definitely charismatic. When you think about you know a wrestler's physique, I think his physique stood out. You know with, he had I talk about a, a washboard abs. The guy had tremendous arms, you know, he, and he had a good look. The guy, you know what I'm saying, he was a good-looking dude. And like I said, you know, him with the, the you know, bringing out the, the females for the rude awakening, like I said, it's just, like I said, everything that he did fit his persona to a T. And like I said, he definitely left a lasting image on the business. 
That's very well said, Danny. And I love the fact that you referenced that, like myself, he is from Minnesota. Unfortunately, between Rick Root and I, that's where the similarities end. Uh, <laughs> I wish we had a little more in common because, like you said, he had he had the body, he had the swag, he could do I'll it all. You, I'll tell you. I'll tell you something else you guys don't have in common, Jay. Rick Root has been on the cover of uh, Wrestling Eye in the past. So one thing you guys don't have in common is the knowledge of Wrestling Eye magazine. Well, the, the fact that he's from Minnesota, he might not even know he was on the cover of that magazine because we don't, we don't see that. Hey, now. Right. Hey, now. <laughs> Daddy, we appreciate you calling in. You always are insightful. Um, only question I want to ask you about Ravishing Rick Root is he's one of these guys who never got a chance to run with the main title, the world championship. You could argue he didn't need it. In your opinion, would you have liked to seen him get a little bit of a run with the big championship, maybe taking it from the Warrior? Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I, I, I Absolutely. I mean, just like I talked about, you know, we, I'm sure – People talked about it. Everybody would love to see, you know, perfect get a run with the big title because he was such a great heel. And you know, like I say, it makes I think it, it makes for a better, you know, when it when it, you have a, a a baby face going after that hated heel, it make it, it makes for a better storyline as as you know the baby face is chasing the title and, and Rick Rude, you know, I, I I think he definitely would have would have been a great champion. I think he definitely should have had a, a longer IC title run. Uh, when um with that program with the Warrior, but he definitely um should have been a, a WWF champion. Did he need the title? Probably not. But like I said, his work speaks for himself. I mean, I, I I did think that he did get a a run with the big title in uh in WCW. I, I guess yes, he did. You're right. Towards I think ninety three and ninety four. Uh, but like I said, he definitely um it would have been you know, it, it definitely would have been entertaining to see somebody like him with that you know with that belt at that time. I completely agree. I think a, a heel champion at that time would have made for very entertaining television, especially when it's a Rick Rude accompanied by a guy like Bobby Heenan. Danny, we know you're a busy man. Thank you for calling in. We always appreciate it. We hope to touch base with you uh, on the next episode as well. Thank hey, guys. Like I said, it's always a pleasure. Always look forward to speaking with you guys and just uh, keep up the good work. And uh, you guys uh, take care. Have a great weekend. You too, brother. Thank you so much, man. Shows off to a hot start, Tommy. People love talking about ravishing Rick Rude. And the nice thing about him, like a lot of superstars from that era, he's international. He's all over the place. And to prove that, we're going up to our friendly neighbors up north to the great country of Canada. David, welcome back to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. We're talking about Rick Rude. Hey, Jumpa Jay. Tommy, how you guys doing? Hey, brother. What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Just watching the weather get cold and feel more like Christmas by the day. Yeah, yeah, man. We're 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 getting there. What nine nine days away, Jay? How about you know That's what, right. man? Let's 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 loosen up a little bit here, guys. I mean, we're let's loosen up. It is the holidays. We're over here like three nerds right now, just sitting here talking about wrestling. Let's have a little fun. Uh, and I've never done this before, Jay. Have you ever sung a Christmas carol with a Canadian before? You know, that is something that's been on my bucket list, and I've never had the opportunity to do it. I, I don't know if David's vocal cords are warmed up this morning, but we, the three of us could give it a try and turn well, off a whole group of listeners. 
let's get in the Christmas spirit, guys. I mean, there's so much. There's only so much wrestling we can talk about, man. So at the count of three, we, we, uh, Dave, you, you tell me what song you want to sing, David. What, what Christmas song? Uh, let's let, let, let's make it easy. Let's do Jingle Bells. Okay, ready, Jay? You ready, brother? Just the chorus. Just are we doing it in Are we doing it in French Canadian, or are we just gonna sing it in English? We're just gonna all sing it in English. Okay. Okay. All right. Ready? One, two, a one, two, three. Jingle bells, 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 I tell you what, I thought my singing was bad. Which one of us are you talking to, David or me? Oh, never mind. Anyhow, right. today well, we're talking about the career of ravishing Rick Rude. Obviously, if you're talking about 80s wrestling names or just you know classic uh, golden era names, he has to be right at the top of the list. Had an unbelievable run in uh, the WWF. Had a great run in NWA and WCW, like Jay mentioned earlier. I, I guess first off, David... I, what is your fondest memories of Rick Rude uh, growing up as a kid watching him? I think for me, the one thing I would say about Rick Rude is, is that he's a total package, right? There's a lot of guys that, you know, they're good technical wrestlers or they're really good at a promo or they've got the look down, you know, or maybe they have two of the three, but they don't necessarily have all three. And I really feel like Rick Rude with his, with his gimmick, and, you know, his wrestling style, obviously, you mentioned the way, you know, he would introduce himself, the fact that he would, you know, have himself on his tights, like all of it together just made him a real total package and just, just made you hate him that much more. Like, it's a, he was such a good heel that way because he had everything. He had every aspect you want in a, in a classic wrestler, and that's why he's one of the greatest of all time. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Are, are, are you... Are you with others that said that he should have he should have been the world champion? Do you think he didn't need it? No, I, you know, it, it would have been nice, but I don't think he needs. You know, I don't think that for him and his character and the way he was, right? Because, you know, especially with time he was in the WWF, so much of that was you know Hogan being the champion that, you know, you, you know that that was the way it was going to go, and then obviously they had other people that were next in line, so. I think, no, I don't think it tarnishes his legacy, and I don't think he needs it to be remembered as a great. Oh, absolutely, man, absolutely. Now, were you you a fan of NWA back then? If you were, obviously him coming from WWF, was that something that excited you, having him in NWA wrestling? Uh, I can't say that I was a huge fan of NWA at the time, um, but I think any time, you know, you have a promotion that's, you know, not the top promotion, and you get a guy that can still bring it, uh, it's exciting. I think if you kind of link it to a little bit AEW today, like AEW has a lot of great people who are, you know, homegrown people, like MJF or, uh, you know, Hangman Page or, or those people like that, or people who haven't wrestled in, in WWF, like, or WWE, sorry, like Omega. But you also have, you know, people like Danielson, or punk that come to the, the you know as, amongst others that come to the promotion and it just adds that more excitement because they have they've established who they are right so same thing like Rick Rude you once you establish who you are and you go to another promotion right if you if you're a fan of wrestling right as opposed to a fan of one promotion or the other if you're a fan of wrestling 
you got to love that because you're, you're seeing someone who's great in a new scenario and that just opens up the possibilities of, of what can happen. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Hey, I want to let you know also, I got your, uh, your package last week with all your upcoming signings, your drawings, dude, they were awesome, man. Really, really, really good stuff. I have, uh, I have the, yeah, no problem. I have the Greg and Brutus one. Uh, I was going to see whatever your next one is. If it's not soon, I'll get them out to you, but I just wanted to say, uh, really, really good job, man. You got, you do some really, really good work. And, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some of your future stuff. Uh, Jumpin' Jay, anything else for our, our good friend up there in Canada? Well, anytime I think of Ravishing Recruit, one of the things that jumps into my mind is just the fantastic artwork that you would see on his wrestling attire. He was one of the first guys that would have like this custom airbrushed set of tights on. You know, we'd see RVD do it later and some other guys, but he was really the first one to have just these wild out there tights, and they tended to go with whatever feud he was in. So my question would be, I'll ask David and Tommy, you can chime in with your answer. Is there one particular set of tights or ring attire that especially stands out to your mind when you're thinking of Ravishing Rick Rude? I think for me, any, anything with, with his face, right? The ones, the ones that had his face on his crotch. <laughs> uh, those are the ones that I remember the most because it was like, what? But it just worked with the character so well. You know, as someone who was so full of themselves uh, and had such a high opinion of themselves, right, as in the character, that it was like, yeah, if anyone was going to wear their face there, it's going to be Rick Rude. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great point. Tommy, how about you? Do you have a set of ravishing Rick Rude tights that stands out in your mind? Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm sure I'm not speaking for myself when I say this. And it's gonna, this is going to wind up turning into, drum roll, please. A huge announcement for 80s Wrestling Con that's coming live to the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey on Saturday, May the 7th. Just just hold that in the back of your head, and I'll get right back to why I'm saying that right now. So my, my favorite uh, tights that uh, Rick Rude ever had were the ones where he had Cheryl Roberts' face on them. I, I mean, th- that angle was so awesome with, with Jake and, and Rick Rude. That was one of my favorite angles. And, you know, she would be sitting at ringside and she slapped them. And, I mean, what? how bigger of a piece of shit hill can you be than by airbrushing your, your, your opponent's wife's face on your tights? I mean, that is heat, 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 heat. And uh, my, for that reason alone, that was my – I loved all his tights. He was, he was awesome. But uh, that was my favorite, which leads me to a big exclusive announcement I was going to save for the end of today's uh, podcast. But I'm going to drop it right now on you guys. So uh, sign to appear at 80s Wrestling Con live on Saturday, May the 7th. We are going to be doing a reunion of Jake the Snake Roberts and Cheryl Roberts live May 7th in New Jersey for 80s Wrestling Con. Wow, Tom. Awesome. You're, you're reuniting past spouses. You're, you're, you're reaching out. You're touching lives, buddy. May 7th confirmed. Now, my, my first question that pops into my mind since we're talking about Rick Rude 
I wonder where those Cheryl Roberts tights are, if that's something maybe she has or if that's lost in the Rick Rude family collection of stuff. But now you have my brain working. Well, we'll have to we'll have to dig deeper into that. May's still a long ways out, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to announce that. I was listening for the end of the broadcast, but I figured it was a good uh, good lead in. That's fantastic, right, David. I'm excited. David, thank you so much for calling, brother. We look forward to talking to you again next week. You bet. You guys take care. All right, brother. All right, Thanks, Merry man. Christmas, David. All right. See, the the thing that David has on both of us is he lives further no- north towards the North Pole, so he gets. Santa visits him first, and then he trickles down our way. So David's first in line when it comes to gifts on Christmas yeah. morning. Well, we go from what I, I was about to say real quick. Santa's going to be sending us a couple gifts this Monday night, Jay, because we are going to be doing a very virtual Christmas for Monday night virtual. Our last uh, virtual signing of the year. It will be this Monday, December 20th. And a pairing roundtable discussion will be former WWE stars Maven, Nunzio, and Snitsky. Now, if you're wondering, why are these three together? That's an odd trio. I absolutely positively agree. However, it will make for a very interesting roundtable discussion for Monday Night Virtual. And they're all local Jersey, Pennsylvania guys, so I didn't want to do any airfares the week of Christmas, because I can only imagine how sky high the airfares would be. So I figured it'd be a good way to use those guys, have some fun. And Jay, we're going to be having a couple ISPW cameos involved this Monday night on Monday Night Virtual. Well, first of all, I am such a huge fan of Monday Night Virtual, as you know that. But I especially love the roundtable style, because anytime you get multiple talent sitting around one table the stories seem to come out uh easier and then one thing leads to another and so it's really like being a fly on the wall inside the locker room but instead of billing it as three former wwe superstars i think what you really have tommy is you have two former wwe superstars in nunzio and snitsky and you have one current ispw superstar in maven you got to push your brand buddy yeah, man, you're right. And, and where do you find out what happened at the end of the show, which involved Maven? We'll, we'll save that for the end. I can't wait to hear that. But right now, we're going from snowy Canada with talking to David all the way to what I hope is a very sunny California. We're talking to Brian the Brain from Chico, California. Brian, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jumpin' Jay. It's good to talk to you guys. And, uh, I just want to ask Tommy Wildfire Fierro, do you ever sleep, man? You can, I can't think of anybody I know who's as busy as you are. <laughs> Brother, uh, I, I don't, man. I, I really, 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 really don't. And, uh, and I'm like, and of course I do. Not, not much, but I'm, I'm, always, I'm always thinking ahead, dude. Like, you know, uh, you know what it is? Uh, you know, since, since the beginning of the year, wrestling has been my, you know, full-time job now, you know? So... I try and think as I think of as many avenues and sources within the, the the means of the pro wrestling business that I can, you know, use it to to capitalize and and you know, provide you know money for you know to put on the tables. So, I mean, I'm always I know it's a I really didn't explain that very well, but I'm always thinking ahead, dude. I'm always thinking I, I'm always wanting the next thing. I'm always wanting to 
expand my brand. Like, dude, I'm doing three. I'm doing three brands at one right now. One time, I'm doing. I'm doing the store, uh, the wrestling collector. I am doing my own independent promotion now, independent superstars of pro wrestling, and I'm doing my virtual signings, which are still every, uh, you know, every other week. And then you have in live signings on top of all that else in the store. So yeah, man, my, I, I'm, I'm, I'm whacked out. I really am. And, uh, <laughs> but you know what, dude, like, well, I got to do it while I can do it. Right. I mean, you gotta, you gotta ride, you gotta ride the wave while, it's, while there's a wave, you know? Well, I, I don't know, man. I think you've got the, the Vince McMahon gene in you and you're just, uh, sleeping little and, and working full and you, you even forgot the musical. You got so much going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's, and that's the, the biggest thing that's going to be heading into, you know, 2022 is, is we're, we're doing a uh, pro wrestling musical called The Last Match. And we actually had the producer of the, uh, of the, the show come to the ISPW Christmas Chaos last week. So that was really cool. But yeah, man, I, I appreciate you, you know, making mention of that and uh I just, you know what I do, do I just keep my head down, just keep pushing through as, as, as much as I possibly could. And I won't stop until I can't do it anymore. You know, but my, my, my big goal, man, for, for next year, my number one goal is to uh, build up ISPW and, 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 and make it bigger. So that, that's my main focus for next year. Well, job well done, my friend. Um, thank you, man. I, would, I also want to, uh, Oh, you bet. And, uh, want to congratulate, uh, the, you know, Lucas figure four leg lock and, and Danny from Butler started the show off. Great. David was awesome. You guys are, uh, Danny really had a nice run down a rude. And, uh, I don't know about you guys, but that's a heel. When he came in, I was 13 and, and with Rick rude, I just, uh, I, he just got under your skin. You know, he was a guy that, uh, uh, when he put that IC belt was probably, uh, my favorite uh, pair of tights. I think he had that on for WrestleMania five and uh, ultimate warrior was, you know, after Roddy left ultimate warrior was a real favorite of mine. That was a shocking loss at WrestleMania five. That, that kind of uh, hit me in the gut when, uh, you know, I love seeing uh, uh, Hogan Savage uh, was an excellent main event, but the one I thought going in, that was a for sure was I thought warrior was going to beat rude. So, when Rude uh, had the help of Heenan holding down Warrior's leg and Warrior didn't kick out, that one was a kind of a gut punch. Um, I don't know if you guys felt the same way or if either of you saw it coming, but I didn't see that one coming. Well, I'm, I'm going to agree with Brian right off the top. My favorite pair of tights is also the Intertitle title airbrushed set of tights. I love that look. And as a child watching it, I was beyond shocked. I couldn't believe that the that the runaway train that was the ultimate warrior got beat looking back as an adult it's actually one of my favorite finishes now i love just the visual of bobby heenan holding on to that warrior boot as rude gets his cover and i think the nice thing we have as we mature and grow up is we can look back at the programs that we watched as a kid and we can appreciate them for different reasons back then you hated rude because like you said he got under your skin and he was just in your face but now as an adult, you realize how brilliant of an entertainer he was and how perfect that character was. And so, but yeah, at the time, that was a big upset in my mind. 100%. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. Now I appreciate him so much more. And he's like, 
he's like a ton of other heels. You hear about uh, uh, some of the, the heels that were able to get under people's skin, Piper, Rude, Perfect, uh, that behind the scenes, these are the most popular guys and or the most beloved guys and some of the friendliest guys in the world. So I know when, when he passed at uh, 40 years old, it's it's still leaving a mark on Bret Hart and it left a mark on Roddy Piper, just all these guys. Uh, Rude was so beloved in the locker room. Um, question for uh, Tommy. When when I was watching, I, uh, I the, when he first came in, that first uh, feud that he had, basically they – they kind of pushed Paul Orndorff out of the Heenan stable and uh, Orndorff joined, joined up with uh, Oliver Humperdinck. I think a better way to have run that would have been if Heenan had paired Rude and Orndorff as a tag team and have Rude uh, blindside Orndorff and say, hey, I'm the better physique. I want to be on my own. And that might have put Orndorff in a better position trying to make him a baby face again because the switch just, to me, it was a little awkward. We never got a a good TV match between the two. Um, how would, uh, as, as a, some, you know, Booker promoter, Tommy, what, what did you think about the Orndorff and, uh, and, and Rick Rude feud and how they kicked that off? Well, I, I, I agree with you. When, when Paul turned back as a baby face, it was, it was lukewarm compared to what he was previously. But I think a lot of that has to do with, you, you got to remember back then, man, like, the fans, they believed. They believed, you know. So when Orndorff turned his back on all the fans and turned on Hulk Hogan and, you know, pile-drived them and went with Bobby Heenan, you know, even though down the line, you know, he, he wound up getting away from Bobby and went back as a baby face, there was never really any, you know, any, you know, ending between him and, Hogan and, and, and Orndorff, you know, Orndorff never said he was sorry or they never really made up. I mean, I know that's it's all storyline, but like back then, maybe people, you know, had that in the back of their head that, hey, man, you know, he never even apologized to Hawk or, you know, you know, maybe we can't trust this guy. So, I mean, it could have been a it could have been a, a, a lot of different factors. But Rick Rude was definitely over enough as a heel. Uh, to get Paul Orndorff back over as a babyface again. But I don't know, maybe it just really left a bad taste in the fans' mouths when he turned on Hogan. Because I'll tell you what, man, uh, I'm 44 years old, and I still remember that angle like it was yesterday. Me and Jay said it uh, a bunch on this podcast in the past, and that was my all-time favorite angle when, when, when Orndorff turned on Hogan. So if I remember that, you know, you know, you know, almost 40 years later, you know, obviously they did something right. But I don't know, man. That's, what do you think, Jay? I, I enjoy the question, but I enjoy hearing your answer, Tommy, because I know that any time that we talk about that angle or we bring up Paul Orndorff, that he holds a special place in your memory books of wrestling. And so I just like the fact that, like you said, here we are this many years later, we're still talking about it because it made that big of an impression on us. And so I think really it's just a callback to how great wrestling was in this time period that it made such an impression. And that's, I think, those kind of stories and those kind of um, storylines are what lacking in today's wrestling that prevents people from truly getting pulled in like we obviously were all pulled in at the time it was taking place. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm right there with you guys. That's That was still my favorite uh, 
feud of all time to this day. I was uh, I had just started watching wrestling in May of '86, uh, and and that Hogan Orndorff uh, deal where they basically fought the Moon Dogs one week, and Orndorff wouldn't pick up the phone for Hulk while Hulk was in the gym. So they went to you know they fought Stud and Bundy, and Hogan uh, you know didn't get in the match against them, and and when he finally did, or he didn't get in against the Moon Dogs at all, and then. Orndorff banging into him and then taking him out with Adonis and and Bundy and Stud all in the locker room congr- congratulating him afterwards. That's that's still my favorite feud to this day as well. I was just oh, thinking yeah. about the only way the only way you might have gotten uh, Orndorff back babyface is possibly a, a tag situation with Rude or something because like you, I just think it fell a little flat and people weren't ready to to cheer for Orndorff yet. So uh, if ever and then. Uh, uh, then he went to feud with Roddy in 89 um, before he uh, came back with the short hair against uh, Warrior in 90. You know, that's another thing where I just, uh, he just hated him so much. He was so good at his job, Rick Rude. And uh, that's a question I have for you guys. Did you like, I feel like the quintessential most hate is when he was that uh, long hair, Rick Rude, but uh he looked like a badass when he cut his hair short and, and fought uh, Warrior in the cage at SummerSlam 90 before he ended up leaving shortly after. Do you guys have a preference of uh, long hair, short hair, Rick Rude? I like I like the long hair. You know, I think when you think of Rick Rude, you immediately think of, you picture long hair, Rick Rude, but it definitely didn't take away from his character when he came back with his short hair. He still was you know, the same heel and it was still a good look for him. But if I had to pick between the two, like if I was getting an action figure of Rick Rude, I think I'd want him with the long hair. If I, if, if I got to choose. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. I like the long hair as well. I think it was a good reinvention of himself. And he did get, like Danny said, he did get to hold the big belt, the big gold belt later in uh, WCW. I think it was a international heavyweight champ over there instead of the actual just WCW world champ. But it, it is a, a nice sight seeing Rick with the big gold. And uh, uh, anyway, I will uh, I will let you guys get to other calls. I just I appreciate your show and I appreciate uh, these great topics and wish you all the best. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, brother, man. We appreciate talking to you, man. We appreciate yeah, listening to the show every week. All right. Take care. Sounds good. Thank you, Brian. Well, we go from Canada out to the West Coast. Now we're hitting up the southern part of the United States. We're heading down to Hotlanta to talk to our friend Joe. Joe, welcome back to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. We're talking about Ravishing Rick Rude. That's right, Ravishing Rick Rude. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's pretty consistent that I think we all think of the same match, uh, Rude losing to uh, um, Warrior. With the yeah the Bobby the Brain holding that uh, boot over the rope to cheat, so that's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, one of the things I thought was he was his character. I don't know if Vince McMahon created that character or he created that character himself. But one of the great things about it is it's such a great villain because some wrestlers like Macho Man can go bad guy or good guy, but Rick Rude character that has to be a villain. There's, there's no way you can walk that down the aisle 
with that music <laughs> and then make all the uh, husbands jealous <laughs> and sell that as a good guy. Not going to happen. Um, <laughs> and the other interesting thing I thought was, you know, we're talking 80s, which was very family. Like, it was part of our childhood. It was, for the most part, it was okay to watch. But he was the one wrestler that I remember thinking, like, oh, man, <laughs> I don't want mom and dad to watch him. <laughs> it just seems like that. <laughs> so it was, a, it was, yeah, it was like Vince McMahon was kind of um, taking a chance there. Um, so that's uh, interesting about Rude. Um, yeah, the tights. Yeah, very memorable. And I'm trying to think of other – I'm sure he did that to other wrestlers where he put the, the opponent on the back. But um, Warriors is consistently the <laughs> memorable one. Um, the mustache, the bodybuilder look. And I, if you guys know, is there any documentary out there about him that you guys recommend? Because, yeah, I – be interested to learn his death which i know nothing about his you know life story is probably interesting is there anything out there that you guys have seen not not that i have really no how about you jay no that's a great question and as he was asking it i was typing it into the google machine to see if anything pops up it looks like maybe there's a couple that are out on youtube but those might be fan-made i'm not necessarily seeing an officially released biography uh, or documentary about Rick Rude. But I tell you what, that would be an interesting story to tell. Yeah, the closest thing I can find is there's a DVD that was released called Simply Ravishing Rick Rude, but I think it's mostly his matches and not his life story. But I agree with, uh, with Joe. That would, be a, that would be a great documentary to sit down and watch if it ever comes out. For sure. Um, yeah, and uh, just for fun, I, I have my Hasbro um, Ravishing Rick Rude figure up, and um, it is a it is a great figure. But one of the things that I I, I tune into other wrestling podcasts, and um, one of the things about the Hasbro wrestling figure is they just gave him purple and black stripes. So. They they didn't do him just the figure, the Hasbro figure. They did not do justice. They should have put some cooler tights on this guy. But other than that, it's a pretty good uh, wrestling figure. <laughs> I, I agree with you. The tights should have been different. And I would even argue that they should have done a better body sculpt on that figure because Rick Rude is known for being one of the, the most ripped wrestlers at this time. And his Hasbro figure is kind of a skinnier figure. It doesn't really give the definition or size that I, that I think they could have done, but that might be nitpicking, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think that's all I got guys. Um, yeah. Uh, good luck with the, uh, is it ISPW? Yes, sir. Okay. Good luck with that. Yeah. I, I started to do a little YouTube research after you had the flicks drawn. So good luck with all that stuff, guys. Oh, awesome, man. Our, our, fir- our, our first two, Shows back are actually on uh, YouTube right now on our 80s Wrestling Con uh, channel. The uh, the return show from Labor Day weekend is on there. And then our ISPW Championship Rumble is on there from uh, last month where uh, Bull James wins the ISPW World title. So you can definitely check out. Uh, and, and Enzo Amore makes a, a, a surprise appearance in ISPW. So you can 
check both of those shows out now. They're on uh, YouTube. I'll check it out. Yeah, thanks, man. Let me know what you thanks, think next time, next time you call in. Okay. Thanks, brother. Have a good one, guys. You too. You too. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, yeah. I, wa- I want to make mention of that, uh, Jay, that the, the first two shows in their entirety are, are both on YouTube right now. The ISPW Return Show from uh, September and the ISPW Championship Rumble from November. Both shows in their entirety are on YouTube right now. So if you're interested in uh, seeing our shows, you can check the first two out for free. I will definitely be logging on to the old YouTube and finding those and sitting down and watching them. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm happy that you guys put them out there. I think it was a great idea on your part to have them recorded because that might even have been something that most people don't think about to do. Because when you're putting on a show like that, I imagine the to-do list, the checklist is beyond long to try to make sure you have all your ducks in a row. But Jay. nice touch have it recorded, man. Jay, can you imagine how long my checklist is right now? No, I don't. You must have either an assistant or your wife must be helping out behind the scenes or a team of people because I, like uh, like Brian from Chico said, I, A, I don't know if you sleep because you will text me at all times of the day and we live in different time codes, time zones, so I don't know which way uh, is up. And then, I don't know, you must cross yourself in the hallway sometime when you're walking. You must, you know, Tommy must be going left. Tommy's got to be going right at the same time. Oh, yeah. I don't know how you do it, man. And so hats off to you. But like you said, when you're passionate about something and when the iron is hot, that's the time to strike and you can rest, you know, when uh, when you're on the, the other side of all this. And so um, I don't know what gives you your energy, but I'm glad you have it, man, because I enjoy everything you're putting out. But, yeah, I got to believe when you're planning a show, the checklist, the to-do list must just be insane. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. And and I, eventually I, I will, I will want to – take an ISPW to fight TV or, or one of those paid subscriptions. So, you know, fans can watch it live while it's happening. hundred percent going to do that next year at some point, but I thought it would be important and, and it makes sense marketing wise. Cause you know, I'm a marketing guy is why not tape the first couple of shows. I was thinking maybe like the first four or five shows for free and upload them on YouTube that way. You know, people can get familiar with the product. They can get familiar with the characters and, you know, hopefully, you know, give them a reason and give them a hook to when, when we do go to fight TV or wherever it is that we wind up going that they're already invested in the characters. They know who they are and, and, and they'll pay whatever it is to, uh, to, to see the, the continuation of it. So, um, yeah, the next few ISPW shows will definitely be um, available for free on YouTube. I love it, man. That's a great idea. Now, there's no currently no other callers. We had a couple drop off that were hanging on for a while. And so if anybody is listening and wants to weigh in on Ravishing Rick Rude, the number is 516-595-8295. We're here for about another 15 minutes or so. So feel free to call in and share your thoughts on Ravishing Rick Rude. Now, I know, Tommy, you kind of hinted that there was a swerve at the end of Christmas chaos. You might have some announcements coming down the pipeline. Are you ready to fill me in on those things? Or do you yeah, want to give me... Must, All right, let's do we it. We might as well get into it. So the main fill event of the night is for the ISPW World Heavyweight title, Bull James defending against the superstar, Danny Morrison. Now, Danny actually came out earlier that evening uh, during the winner's circle, it was supposed to be 
uh, Slick about to sing Jive Soul Bro. The uh, winner, Andy Weinberg, first sung a Christmas song, making fun of everyone. And, uh, you know, Slick, you know, said they wanted to hear him sing. And there, he asked the crowd if he wanted him to sing Jive Soul Bro. Obviously, the crowd is going crazy at this point. And then uh, Jesus Christ Superstar theme hits, which was the song that Superstar Billy Graham and Don Morocco used together in the WWF. Uh, and out comes the superstar, Danny Morrison, says they don't want to hear him. No one wants to hear him sing. And he was talking about winning the title later that night. Uh, it, it looked like he was about to back slick up into the corner. And uh, Bull James and Justin Carino ran out and made the save. And then for the main event, for the ISW title, it was Maven as the special guest referee. Uh, the ring announcer, Ian Levy, uh, announced Danny Doring instead of Danny Morrison. Uh, Danny was not happy with that. Uh, went back to the locker room. He had Jim Onoff with him, the original ECW referee, to be his referee because uh, he didn't trust Maven. So him and Jim go to the back, and out comes as a you know we've we've done a surprise every ISPW show so far. So out comes Joel Gertner. Uh, to announce Danny because Danny wasn't happy with Ian Levy's ring announcement, and he juggles in this big thing and then announces Danny. Uh, the match is going on, and uh, towards the end, uh, Maven and Danny Doring uh, hit into each other. And Maven goes down. At this point, H.C. Loke runs out. Uh, who was another ECW original, attacks Bull. Danny picks up a chair again. Uh, he, he At the, the, the previous event, he turned on Bull, hit him with a chair. He does it again here. Maven still down. ECW referee Jim Olive in the ring. Quick count, one, two, three. Danny Doring wins the ISPW title. Now afterwards, and this is where it, it gets interesting, uh, Jay, is... Uh, he starts cutting a promo, Danny, talking about uh, the history of ECW and how it first became extreme. And uh, anyone out there that's a longtime fan remembers when Shane Douglas threw down the NWA world title, uh, it, that turned it to uh, extreme championship wrestling. And if for those out there that are you know longtime wrestling fans and know their, their knowledge and history, uh, I am uh, one of Dennis's, uh, you know, Dennis was one of my mentors. So um, Danny makes mention of this and says, you know, who would have thought all these years later, history is about to repeat itself. So now at this point, um, it appears as though, and then now Danny starts rattling off former ISPW wrestlers back in the day. And it looks like he's about to, do the Shane Douglas thing where he throws down the belt and then he has the ECW guys in the ring with him. At this point, Maven's uh, finally getting up. And then um, right when Danny's about to throw the belt down, uh, him and Maven attack the ECW guys, leave them laying for dead. Danny Morrison grabs the microphone, says that ECW is dead. And it's, he now puts the superstar and independent superstars of pro wrestling. Danny Morrison wins the ISPW World Heavyweight title. Maven is now 
the manager of Danny Morrison. And our next event back will be Friday, January the 14th in Totowa, New Jersey at the Totowa PAL. And the show is being labeled, and rightfully so, New Year's Revenge. Because Bull James will get a rematch when he challenges Danny Morrison for the ISPW World Heavyweight title. What an ending to Christmas chaos, Tommy. I could not believe as you're, this is my first time hearing all this. And so we had a couple of big things happen is what you were saying. So it appeared like we were getting kind of an ECW reunion going. And then we get a heel turn by Maven. And yep. now Morrison and Maven are together. And the other thing I'm having my hard time wrapping my brain around is, I'll be honest with you, I thought Bull James was going to go over and retain his title. So we have a title change. We have Maven, heel turn. And now we got New Year's Revenge coming where Bull James get to go one-on-one against the superstar Danny Morrison to try to reclaim the ISPW World Heavyweight Championship. My question is, how exactly does Maven now fit in? Is he, is he an in-ring performer with Danny? Is he a manager? Is he a mentor? Is he a bodyguard? What's going on with Maven? We're, the show went off the air with, with Jesus Christ Superstar playing and Maven holding Danny Doring's hand, uh, Danny holding the title. That's all we know of as of right now. So That's I all guess- we know. The, uh, we'll, we'll find out more January 14th. Uh, Maven will be with Danny Doring. We don't know the extent of their – I'm sorry, I'm, I'm over here saying Doring. Danny Morrison. And um, the, uh, we don't know the extent of the relationship. I guess we'll find out January 14th. Uh, right now, though, we are doing on our if – you're, if you're on Facebook, make sure you follow ISPW Wrestling on Facebook. We are currently doing the 12 Days of Danny – Danny Morrison is celebrating his ISPW <laughs> world title win by doing the 12 days of Danny. And uh, he's posting different pictures daily of the ISPW world title in different places. So it's entertaining. If you're on uh, Facebook, definitely follow ISPW wrestling to check it out. You know, I saw a couple of those pictures uh, ahead of this uh, show. I didn't understand um, what the 12 days of Danny was because I didn't know the results, but it's kind of like, Elf on a shelf, but it's with a championship belt. Like the belt keeps appearing up in these different places along with some <laughs> Christmas decor. I thought it was just something you were doing, but now I understand what is taking oh, it's place. On me. That's hilarious, man. I love it. Yeah, so uh I also want to make mention of a couple eighties wrestling con notes real quick before we end today's episode. I know people keep asking when are tickets going to go on sale, and I keep giving them a date. But I don't officially un- unleash them yet, and there's a reason why. Is because I- I'm still adding a little something here, a little something there. I just signed uh, Barry Windham this past Monday. Him and Mike Rotunda will now do a U.S. Express reunion at 80s Wrestling Con. So I want to make sure I have everything finalized before I put tickets on sale. But I'm almost done, Jay. And uh, the tickets are going to go on sale officially officially on New Year's Eve. So New Year's Eve, tickets will go on sale for 80s Wrestling Con Live on 80swrestlingcon.com. We're going to be working over the next couple weeks to update that site and get it ready. I figured to give Jay a little extra time, too, 
with the holiday season, so he won't be too mad at me, right, Jay? <laughs> it always <laughs> seems like right around the holidays is when everybody gets busy because you're running around, you're buying gifts, you're going here, you're going there, but then work also has to get done. And so, yeah, so I'll, I'll be excited to put those tickets for sale up on the website. I am looking so forward to 80s Wrestling Con live again. As much as I've been enjoying your Monday night virtuals, there is just something to be said about being in the same room with some of the the heroes that you grew up watching. So I'm super excited for that, Tommy. Cannot wait to see everything you have planned for 80s Wrestling Con live. I I think I'm going to drop another exclusive to end today's episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. And I mentioned that Cheryl Roberts, will make her first public appearance. And I don't ever remember her making a public appearance. No, that's huge. She will be with Jake the Snake Roberts at 80s Wrestling Con Live. And uh, that, if that's not enough for the announcement today, I'm going to give one more. Well, before, one you, the, before you drop another announcement, I just have to know, did you give Jake the Snake a heads up that his ex-wife will be joining him? Or is this going to be a surprise to him? No, no, no. They're, 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 they actually are on good terms. They're on good okay, terms. that's yep. fantastic. That, that's yep. I just didn't want it to turn in to an episode of Jerry Springer uh, at 80s Wrestling no, Con no, Live. No, so no. as no. long as they're on great terms, that would be awesome on, to see them together. They're on great terms. Yep. And then uh, the, the next one is I'm going to announce one of the official activities for 80s Wrestling Con Live. And it's going to be a cool one, Jay, because if you like watching Monday Night Virtual, at the end of the show, a lot of people's favorite part is the auction where you have different stuff being signed. This is going to be cooler. This is going to be a live 80s wrestling auction at 80s Wrestling Con. But check this out. It ain't going to be action figures signed or, you know, uh, magazines signed or posters signed. Some of the guests that are going to be appearing on this convention are going to be bringing some of their own personal items from their personal collection whether it be boots, whether it be tights, a robe, you're going to see a lot of cool stuff for a live 80s wrestling auction, ring-worn items at 80s Wrestling Con. How cool is that? That is beyond cool because, like, collecting is something that feels like people do it in tears. Like you start off with small, affordable, more affordable stuff like figures or uh, old maybe magazines or posters. But then as you get a little more serious into it, there is some awesome stuff. And when you say like ring worn or event worn memorabilia, that that stuff is like one of a kind where if you own that, they didn't make hundreds or thousands of them like they do action figures. Like that's a very unique thing to own. And when A&E put out their show, The Most Wanted Treasures, it kind of shone a light on how sought after and how valuable some of those items can be. So the fact that the guys we grew up watching are going to be bringing things from their their career that's been in, in their personal collection for all these years, and they're going to offer it up for people to buy. Like, even if you don't end up winning any of it, the fact that if you're there, you get to see this stuff in person is amazing enough. And so I, I don't know how you keep pulling these strings and getting guys to be able to let go of this stuff, but well done, Tommy. I cannot wait. That just builds the anticipation that much more. Yeah, man. It, it, you know, and, and I, I think what I'm going to do too, Jay, is I'm going to pretty much, uh, 
Like, you know, if you go to like a WWE WrestleMania access where you have these items on display, I, I think we're going to do that at the 80s Wrestling Con Live. We'll have these items on display throughout the afternoon. So, you know, if fans are just walking around, they can have the opportunity to see a, a pair of Greg Valentine's boots, if that's what he brings, or, uh, you know, a pair of scissors from Brutus Beefcake, if that's what he brings, or, or whatever it is, the items that they're bringing. I think we'll have them on display. So, you know, do kind of like a little, you know, uh, you know what I'm saying, like a little like Hall of Fame type of uh, deal. And people I think that would be awesome because I think people would love to just be able to, like you said, walk around and view this stuff and then later on get a chance to bid on it and take it home with them. Like that's, yeah, man. That'd be really that's cool. unbelievable. That'd be very cool. So I, ha- I have that plan as one of the, the feature attractions for 80s Wrestling Con Live. We, we announced uh, last month we're doing an 80s Wrestling Lifetime Achievement Award for Bruiser Brody. His wife will actually be there live at the convention to accept the award on his behalf. Uh, Brody is obviously a huge, huge favorite with a lot of 80s wrestling fans from back in the day. So that's going to be really special. And we're working on so many more different activities. And we will announce more next week. And again, tickets for this will go on sale New Year's Eve. And it will feature Jesse the Body Ventura. And we just announced Jake the Snake Roberts and Cheryl Roberts appearing together at 80s Wrestling Con. The Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, will be there. The list goes on and on. Demolition, Brutus Beefcake, Greg Valentine, Barry Windham, Slick, J.J. Dillon, Medusa, Missy Hyatt, the fabulous Rougeau brothers. We can keep listing off names. We'll have more information on the convention next week. Again, tickets go on sale New Year's Eve. Until then, uh, we got a busy weekend here in New Jersey, Jay. This Saturday at the Wrestling Collector, we have UFC star Jessica Evil Eye in the house with ECW original Kimona Wanalea. They'll be here Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Sunday, we have the total package Lex Luger in the house live. I'm excited for this one, Jay. Uh, 11 to 1 p.m., Lex Luger will be appearing at the Wrestling Collector. And then this Monday... The Go Home Show. And then I have 20 days off. I'm not doing a signing <laughs> or doing a live event. Uh, it will be a very virtual Christmas. Maven, Snitsky, Nunzio, and some ISPW cameos uh, this Monday night for our Monday night virtual. That's all I got on my end, bro. I love how you ended by saying that's all I got. That's it. <laughs> like it's, it's fuller than anything anyone else is doing, but that's all. That's all. It's a light weekend. Well, Tommy, good luck with all the signings this weekend. I'm jealous that you get to hang out with some of those big-name stars, especially Lex Luger, and you'll just have to send me some video footage of his helicopter landing and him coming out in the red, white, and blue to do the signing. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be lined up around the block to meet everybody this weekend, and I'm looking forward to Monday Night Virtual. Um, So, yeah, just keep it coming, Tommy. That's all I ask for my New Year's wish is just keep it coming thanks man anyone out there again uh check out ispw on youtube our first two shows are on there it's under the 80s wrestling con um uh subscription or whatever you want to call that it, it's on there we just type maybe type in ispw the return or if you type in ispw rumble uh on youtube they'll both pop up so definitely check out the shows let me know what you guys think 
And uh, until then, I hope you guys have a great weekend and hope to see some of you guys that live in the area this weekend at the Wrestling Collector. And we'll definitely check you out this Monday night for a very virtual Christmas. Until then, have a great weekend. We'll catch you next week right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.